Well, good evening, everybody. And uh, like everybody said, I can't see you. So if you're into it, that's awesome. If you're not, that's cool because I don't know. Uh, so that's amazing. So Merry Christmas to all of you. Thank you so much for joining us on this night. Uh, and uh, I would just say I'm glad that we rented extra chairs because we're using them and uh, this is an amazing night. So we are here tonight to celebrate Jesus. We are here to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And so before we kind of get into it, maybe you've looked up here and you're like, you see the candles, that makes sense. But then maybe you saw a whole bunch of shoes up here and you're like, that's weird. You know, maybe you're like, that's weird. Why do we have shoes, especially the boots and like cleats and all this other kind of stuff? Why do we have that? Well, I will get to that in a few minutes. But before we do that, let me just tell you what we're going to talk about. So at our church for the last several weeks, we've been in a series called The Story of Christmas. We've been telling the biblical story of Christmas for the last several weeks. And we talked about how a story generally has four main parts. They have a problem to solve. You have some main characters that are trying to solve it. Some supporting characters that are helping. And then, usually in the story, you have a hero. Now we've talked about the first three parts over the last several weeks at our church. But tonight, we get to talk about the hero. We're here to celebrate the birth of our hero, Jesus. And so we're going to get into it. And um, what I want to do is I actually want to start by reading the biblical version of the Christmas story of when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. We all have probably heard of this, but maybe we don't usually hear these exact words from Scripture. So I want to read it out of the book of Luke, chapter 2. Here we go. I'm going to start with verse 1. At that time... The Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who is now expecting a child. Other translations say when she was obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Now the truth is we all understand, we all get the Christmas story, we've heard of it, right? We know Jesus is born as a baby. He was born in Bethlehem, and, and then they didn't have any room for them to stay, and so they laid Jesus in a manger, right? They, they placed him in a manger. And, and we say manger because it sounds better, but you know what a manger is? A manger is an animal feeding trough. <laughs> Imagine giving birth to your baby and then, you know, cleaning him or her up, and then, and then you place your baby in the dog dish, that's exactly what a manger is. Now, a manger sounds better, but that's what it was. It was, a, it was where the animals ate out of. And they put baby Jesus in the manger. And, and so we know this story. We've heard this story. It's a beautiful story. We're like, oh, baby Jesus laying in a manger with nice soft hay. By the way, the manger was made of stone. It was because that's what they had. They were in the desert. This is Israel. They don't have a lot of like trees. 
And so they made their mangers out of stone. And, and so we get this beautiful picture and we know the story. But the question that I want to ask tonight and I want to answer tonight is this. Why? Why the Christmas story? Why, do we, why does it exist? Why is it important? Why did we turn out in great numbers to celebrate Jesus tonight? What's the big deal? Why did Jesus come to earth as a baby? Why did he do that? Well, let's talk about this. So, Jesus could have come in any way, right? Yeah, I mean, he's, Jesus is God, and so he could have arrived anyway. He could have come riding in on clouds. He could have come in, you know, through on a chariot from, from the sky. He could have come up through the ground. He could have come in a sports car. How many of you would have chosen to arrive in a sports car? I mean, for me, like, if I'm doing it in today's age, I'm like, uh, sports car sounds good. And I come flying in, you know, there's a little bit of gravel so I can do the like, you know, kind of stuff. Like Jesus could have come, he could have come flying out of a volcano. He could have done whatever he wants. He's God. But he came as a baby. <laughs> a tiny helpless baby why why did jesus do that well i brought these shoes tonight and and all of these shoes are from my family uh they're in one way or another uh i've got uh you know really fancy shoes with high heels on them just so that we're clear they're not mine they're my wife laura's okay and no she doesn't like to wear them but, you know, ladies, I, I guess, like, this is like you're willing to go through that pain to look really, like, your feet look really good, right? And you're like, oh, aren't these beautiful? And in five minutes, you're like, oh, I hate them. They hurt so bad. Right? But I have those. And, and, and I've, got, I've got some hiking shoes right here. If we want to go for a hike, if we want to go up the mountain, I've got some hiking shoes. And I've got some soccer cleats. These are my, my youngest son, Tanner's soccer cleats. So when he plays soccer, those are, those are actually the ones that he wears. Um, they don't smell too bad, so that's good. I can't smell them from here. And, and we've, got, we've got some uh, Berkies, Birkenstocks. That, that's for you teenagers, right? Because that's what you roll with. You're like, oh, give me some Berks. That's my, it's my daughter's Berkies. She's like, hey, Dad, you grabbed my Berkies. And I was like, yeah. I, I had to use them for an illustration. Okay, it's fine. And then we've got some work snow boots. And then, I don't know if you notice over here, but there's a couple of point shoes over here. Now, I don't know if you know what point shoes are, but point shoes are for uh, a person who's in ballet, a ballerina, one who does ballet dance. And my daughter, Hannah, just, just literally last week, she was accepted or put into point in her ballet classes, which is a big deal because what that means is now a lot of her moves are now going to be completely up on her toes. No, I can't do it. Okay, On her toes, on these shoes, and they, the, the shoes are flat so that all the moves that they do, a lot of the moves they do, and the balancing and the, you know, this stuff. Hannah's out there somewhere. She's laughing at me or crying. Like, <laughs> that's my dad and that's so pathetic. <laughs> That is not a dance move, right? That's not a ballet move. But she's got these point shoes. And let me just tell you this. My daughter, I shouldn't tell you this in public, but my daughter has convinced me a few times to try some of her dance moves in the privacy of our home, of course. And, and, and so she's like, no, dad, just try this. And so I'm doing these things. Can I just tell you 
that when dancers do these things, they make them look easy because they train and they work hard at that and they've built this core strength and they're kind of doing these balancing moves and the, these legs and stretches and all this stuff. And I've tried them. They're just dangerous. Can I, can I just say that? They are dangerous. They are. And the second thing I've learned, I will never do them in public because nobody should ever have to see that when I'm doing ballet, okay? But the truth is that we all have different shoes. These are all shoes from my family. We all have different roles. We're all different ages. We all came from different backgrounds. Some of you in here, you grew up in church. That's the shoes that you've worn. You've been going to Christmas candlelight services your whole life because that's what you do. Some of you, you're coming in here and this is, this is brand new for you. You've, this is the first time you've been to church in a long, long time. Okay? Some of you in here, you came from different backgrounds, different things, different countries, different whatever. And you're here, we all have different shoes. We have different jobs, different families, different experiences. We all have different things. Some of us have alarms that go off in awkward times. <laughs> Don't worry, I can't see who you are. I'm just calling you out. I have no idea who you are. It's cool. Just be anonymous. The truth is we all have shoes that we wear and we all have different lives. And so, have you ever heard this phrase, walk a mile in their shoes? Have you ever heard that? What does that phrase mean? It means don't judge a person and don't give them advice until you fully, truly understand them. You've walked in their shoes. You've actually experienced their life. Walk a mile in their shoes. There's a story of a king in ancient Persia. And this king, he loved his people in his kingdom. He just loved them. And one of the, the, the greatest thing that he wanted to do is he wanted to learn, you know, how his people lived and, and, and what they were like. And so one of the things that he would do quite often is he would dress himself not as a king, but he would dress himself as a beggar, as a peasant. And he would, you know, kind of hide his appearance in a way so that people did not know he was the king. And he would go just mingle with all of the peasants and the commoners in his kingdom. And, and he would just get to know them. He would spend time with them and eat their, eat their food and all this kind of stuff. And he did this a lot so that he could learn more about the people in his kingdom and understand their needs and their, and their wants and all that stuff. But there was this one particular day that he went and visited this poor guy in, in a cellar. He, he was so poor, he lived in a cellar. He didn't even have his own house, just lived in the, the cellar of this one place. And the king got down there. The guy didn't know he was the king because he was dressed as a peasant. And, and he went down there and he just sat down on the floor because this guy was so poor. He didn't even have any furniture in, the, in this Persian kingdom. And, and he, the guy said, would you like a little bit of food? And he gave him some food and it was really coarse. It was gross. But it was all he had, this poor guy. And the king just sat there and hung out with him most of the day. Spent the time, and, and the king thought to himself, while I'm here, I'm just going to encourage this guy. I'm going I'm to give him words of affirmation. I'm going to try to make his day as be the best that I possibly can while I'm here, since I have this one day with him. And so that's what he did. He encouraged him, and he said kind things to him. And then the king left. Well, the king decided to return to this same guy a few days later. And he, but this time he came as the king. He didn't dress different. He just showed up in this cellar as the king. 
And he got to this guy and he figured that since the guy now knew he was the king, he would probably ask him for some lavish gifts or, or a favor or money or something like that because this is the king. Why not use this opportunity to ask for a favor? And so the guy saw the king and, and the king said, I was the guy that sat with you a few days ago. But the guy didn't take it like that. He didn't ask the king for anything. This is what he said to the king. He said this. He said, you mean... You left your throne, your palace, with all its beauty and its comfort. And you came to this dark and dreary and, and kind of damp, gross place. And you spent time encouraging me. He said to the king, he said, you've given so many lavish gifts to so many other people. But to me, you gave me yourself. That's a big See, the Persian king is like Jesus. Jesus gave us the greatest gift that he could give. He gave us himself. He gave us what only he can give. He gave us the greatest thing that he could give. He gave us himself as a gift. Jesus left the beauty and the comfort of heaven to come here and walk in our shoes. To walk in this life with us as a human being. But again, I go back to the question, why? And some of you might be uncomfortable with this message so far because you're like, wait a minute. So God came to earth to, to help to, to kind of understand us, like the Persian king, like he didn't know his subjects and so he had to understand us and so he came to earth. And if you're here and you're kind of thinking something's wrong with this, this illustration because God knows everything. Doesn't Jesus know everything? Doesn't he know everything about us? And if he does, why does he need to spend time in our shoes if he already knows everything about us? And the, the answer to that is he does know everything about us. He knew you before you were born. Did you know the Bible tells us that he knows you when you're in the womb? He already knows you. He knew you before you were in the womb. Jesus knows, every, Jesus knows more about you than you know about you. Let that circle in your brain for a couple of times. Jesus knows more about you than you know about you. So why did Jesus come? Did he come because he needed to understand us? No. God didn't come because he needed to understand us. Jesus came so that we can better understand he wants us to understand and know him in a powerful, beautiful way. Now, why did Jesus come as a baby, though? He could have come as a grown man. He could have come in glory and power. He could have just poured out, you know, all the power and the love and all the stuff that he wanted to communicate. He could have just done that in a moment, right? Snap his fingers. And it, by the way, you guys did really good with the whole thing. That was pretty awesome. I, was, I wasn't sure how that was going to go, to be honest. I really wasn't. And you guys, like, you guys are on it. You guys are all signed up for the worship team for percussion. And uh, so we'll get you on a rotation. You'll get to play by judging about how many people, about once every year or so. So that'll be great. But you guys did awesome. But the truth is that we have this beautiful opportunity to understand God. To know who he is. He already knows you. He doesn't need to walk in your shoes because he doesn't understand you. He knows you completely, perfectly. The question is, are you going to allow Jesus to know 
how much you know about him, that you are in with him. So there's a couple reasons why Jesus came as a baby, if we're going to answer that question. There's a couple good reasons. The first reason is because God wants to disrupt and interrupt your life. (laughs) Merry Christmas. It doesn't sound really exciting or happy, does it? Now, how many of us love to have our life interrupted and disrupted? I don't know about you, but I don't like change. I have my routines, I have my things. That's why I've said good morning to at least three people here this morning. Because it's like when I walk in the visitor center, it's usually Sunday morning. And my brain just likes to fall into that pathway. This is what we do. And so, uh, good morning. Nope, Merry Christmas. Okay, good. Because we have our routines. We don't like to be disrupted. But the truth is, can I tell you that the whole Christmas story, you know what it is? It is all a story about God disrupting and interrupting people's lives. That's what it is. Let's talk about this for a minute. Mary, normal day. But God needs to get a message to her. And so he sends the angel Gabriel right in the midst of her lunchtime Peloton class. Okay, maybe I made that last part up. It's not in scripture. Okay, Peloton didn't exist. But you understand, whatever she is normally doing, she was doing that. And God sent the angel Gabriel. There he is. He says, hey, greetings, favored woman. She's like, whoa. And then the angel Gabriel says to her, You're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. That was an interruption in life. That was a little bit of a disruption in her life. Think about Joseph. Joseph didn't know that this was all going on. I don't know why God waited to tell him. You know, Mary found out, and then Joseph didn't know. And so Joseph is planning on divorcing Mary because he knows Mary's pregnant now. She's clearly pregnant. She has a baby, and he knows it's not his. I mean, let's be honest, I know it's weird to talk about, but, but it's true. And so Joseph wants to divorce Mary quietly because he does not want to put her through shame. He truly, genuinely loves Mary. And so he's considering this, and that's the moment that God sends an angel into his dream. and says, Joseph, no, it's okay. This is a plan. It's not your plan, but it's my plan. And, and you guys are going to raise the Savior of the world. It's okay. Take Mary as your wife. Everything's good. Really? Okay. Well, that's a bit of a disruption. Think about the shepherds watching over their sheep at night. Remember, we just sang about it in that last song. The shepherds were guarding their sheep. They were doing their job. And what happens? God sends an angel into the sky. And then an ar- the armies of heaven. Huh. I mean, the shepherds were probably just hanging around the fire playing sheep's head. They're clearly from Wisconsin. Yeah. Where'd the sheep go, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Right? They're they're just hanging out. They're just playing. They're just just hanging. They're watching the sheep. Everything's quiet. The stars, it's beautiful. And then God interrupts them with the armies of heaven. When was the last time you were interrupted in the middle of the night by the armies of heaven? It's been a while for me. God disrupts and interrupts our life. Wise men, same thing, star in the sky. And then they go ask King Herod, where's the newborn king of the Jews? He's the king of the Jews. (laughs) Hey, where's the other king of the Jews? The the one that we came to worship, not you. (laughs) That was a little bit of an interruption in King Herod's life. The whole Christmas story is about God interrupting your life. Yay, Merry Christmas. But it's true. 
The question is, are you willing to let him interrupt your life? Because there's a second reason Jesus came as a baby. He came to interrupt and disrupt your life, absolutely, in a beautiful and a powerful way. But there's a second reason, a much better reason, why Jesus came as a baby. He came to disrupt and interrupt and change the way we think and the way that we do life. He wanted to disrupt how we do life. But there's another reason why he came. And I'm going to share it to you from Scripture. So that section that I just read in Luke chapter 2, where Jesus is born in Bethlehem. So Jesus is born in Bethlehem, and right before that, there's these three verses. There's this guy named Zechariah. And he prophesies, you know what prophecy is? It's future telling. He tells about the future that Jesus is about to come, about to arrive on earth, and why he's about to come. Okay, so he tells us that he's about to come, and he tells us why. And I want to read it for you. This happens right before Jesus is born in Luke chapter 2. Listen to what it says. Luke 1.78. Zechariah writes, Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. What does he mean? He means Jesus is about to interrupt the world. If somebody breaks upon you, that's not like tap on the shoulder kind of a thing. That's a, here we are. Jesus is about to break upon you and disrupt your life. But then then he tells us why. And catch this, this is the reason we celebrate Jesus. This is the reason we celebrate Christmas. Luke 1.79, Jesus came to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Can I just pause for a moment and ask this question? You don't have to raise your hand, but just consider this question. Are you looking and longing for light and peace? in your life tonight? Anybody longing for it? Light and peace? Is it possible that in this world today there is a severe lack of light and peace? Can we, can we agree that there's a severe lack of light and peace in our world today? I wonder if there's a severe lack of light and peace because we have largely abandoned and rejected and pushed the real Jesus away. And I wonder if tonight, if we take this step to invite Jesus back in to our life, to who the shoes that we're wearing and say, Jesus, I want you to take my life. Be with me in my life. Now, one more question. Why did Jesus come as a baby? Why did Jesus walk amongst us? Why did he come to earth? Why did he wear our shoes? Why did he experience human life with us? I think it wasn't, it definitely wasn't so he could understand us. It definitely was so we can understand him, but there's another reason. There's one more reason. I think... Jesus came the way that he came to earth so that he could show us how much we need to know and can learn from who he is. I think that we've been driving the car 
How, how many of you like to have the remote in your house? How many of you want to drive the car? Like, you're, it doesn't matter who's in the car, like, I'm driving. That's me, you know? How many of us like to have control? I like to drive. I like to have the remote. I like to be in control. I do. That's, that's me. And so what if Jesus is saying, I want you to give up the steering wheel. I want you to give up control. I want you to allow me to drive because I know where we're headed. I know what we're doing. I see the whole picture. I understand the power of your life and the power that I have to give to you. What if Jesus is inviting you to surrender to his power and his knowledge? Because maybe we don't know everything. Let me try to illustrate this. So how many of you are willing to raise your hand and admit you've seen the movie Ford versus Ferrari? Anybody in the place? Okay, uh, see I'm going to do this. Okay, there's a, there's a few of you in here. Okay, cool. All right, so a lot of you haven't seen this, so let me set it up. So in this movie, Ford versus Ferrari, the Ford Motor Company has decided to basically make war against the Ferrari company. And this was decades ago. This is a real story, by the way. It's based on a real story. And, uh, and the Ford Motor Company is trying to build the best race car to win this race over in France called Le Mans. Okay? It's this 24-hour, really, really long, brutal race car race. But you, your car has to be really fast and also has to be durable. And you have to have great drivers. Okay. So Ford versus Ferrari. So there's this moment in the middle of the movie. There's this scene where Carroll Shelby, he's the guy that's been... Uh, tagged as the leader to build this race car and figure out how to win this race because he's the best at it. So Carroll Shelby is in charge of this, but again, Ford, Mr. Ford is over the Ford Motor Company, so he's like the guy in charge. And Carroll Shelby needs to help Mr. Ford understand you are making all these decisions from your corporate office and you do not understand how a race car works. So he needs to get Mr. Ford to understand how a race car works. And so Carol Shelby decides the only way to help Mr. Ford truly understand what needs to happen with this race car and who needs to drive it is to get him in the car on his own so that he can experience what it's like. He needs to walk in our shoes for a minute and understand the power. You guys want to see that? Let's watch it. You ready? The name on the middle of that steering wheel should tell you that I was born ready, Shelby. Hit it. That a boy. Oh, that's got a little kick on there. Oh. Yeah, baby! Yeah, baby! It's about right now the uninitiated have a tendency to soil themselves. <laughs> Mr. Ford, 
Okay. <laughs> Miss Ford. You all right? I had no idea. I had no idea. I wish my daddy, he were alive to see this. <laughs> to feel this. Now this is not a machine. Does anybody can get in and easily control? Absolutely not. Do you get it? What if God is saying to you tonight, this is not a life that you can just get in and drive. This is not a life that, that you just run through and hope for the best. This is not a life that you can just control. What if God is saying to you and to me, to all of us, through coming to earth as a baby, he's saying, I understand you. Do you understand me? I love you. I am here for you. I want to take the steering wheel. I want to drive. I want to show you amazing things. I want to show you light and love and joy and peace. But I need you to let me have the steering wheel. Let me drive. God wants us to release control and allow him to flood our life with light and peace. That's what Christmas is about. That God runs to us. He left heaven to come to us to demonstrate that he knows what he's doing, that he has the power but can we surrender to it? Why did Jesus come to bring light? What's the deal with light? The reason he came to bring light is because sometimes in this world, I don't know about you, but this world can eat you up and spit you out, can it? See, we, we feel like we've got light at times, and, and yet then all of a sudden things happen in our life, and it causes us shame and pain and guilt and, and fear and all these other things. And, and what happens is we feel like we're doing okay. We have light. We have light. we got light. Jesus, we're doing okay. And then all of a sudden, we lose our job, and the light goes out. We thought we were okay. We thought we were fine. And then the light goes out. Or maybe you're here tonight. Maybe that's not you. Sometimes we get stuck in addiction. In a room this size, we've got some addictions in here. Drugs, alcohol, pornography, all kinds of things. And you know what addiction does? Addiction promises you more light, and then when you least expect it, light goes out, and you're left with darkness. Maybe you're here, and you put hope in a relationship. Or maybe you're here, and you 
have wanted a relationship, but it never materialized. And you're sitting here tonight with a good face on, but you're lonely. When that happens, the light goes out. We can do this all night, can't we? Shame, anxiety, depression, fear keeps you locked up. What does it make you want to do? It makes you want to stay home, stay under, in bed, under the covers. I don't want to face the world. The light goes out. Some of you in here, I know. Some of you felt like you were doing okay and then you lost a loved one. You lose a loved one, the light goes out. My dad just passed just over two years ago, two and a half years ago. And when that happened, it took my breath away. It took, took so much light. It's just like when, when he's gone, it's like whew, light's gone. What Jesus invites all of us into is to understand that he loves you so much, he doesn't want the light to stay gone. He wants you to experience the light that leads to life. This says this in his word. This is why the Christ candle always stays lit. We have the Christ candle. When all other lights go out, Jesus is still there. Offering you salvation, grace, and hope. The question is, will you accept it? Will you accept the light of Jesus tonight? He is offered to you freely. All you have to do is say yes. I'm in. I believe you were born as a baby. You died on a cross. You rose from me. I believe I need you. I'm going to let you drive. If you want to accept Jesus tonight, maybe that's all you have to say. Jesus, I'm going to let you drive. Some of you are like, that's not very theological. That doesn't matter. You're at the wrong church if you think that we need to get all wordy about that stuff. Just say, Jesus, I'm going to let you drive. Will you accept Jesus tonight? There's this beautiful word called Alleluia that means praise the Lord. God is worthy of honor and praise. And we're going to end by singing that song, and then, of course, we're going to roll into Silent Night with our candles. But before we do that, I'm going to pray, and my prayer and my hope is that some of you in here will give your life will you you tonight is the night that you're going to accept Jesus you're going to give your life to Christ you're going to allow him to drive and by the way that's why Ryan mentioned those cards if you do accept Christ you can mark on there that you accepted Christ tonight for the first time that's awesome we're not going to embarrass you but we will reach out to you and you we're actually going to send you I've never told anybody this uh, because we just we don't like to talk about this but we send you a box of stuff this stuff these are things that will help you walk through life with Jesus because accepting Jesus is in one moment but it's the beginning of a journey so if you accept Christ, fill that out. Just drop it in a connection point on the way out. We'll reach out to you. We'll get you a box. We'll just see if you have any questions. That's it. And then we're going we're gonna to 
We're going to be like, celebrate that. Because that seals your eternity in heaven with God. So will you accept Jesus? Will you let him drive tonight? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are here tonight to worship you, to praise your name. We are here tonight to serve you, to to glorify your name. As we sing, as we hear this song, Alleluia, may we realize that Alleluia simply says, we believe in you, Jesus. We trust you. We believe that we need to let you drive. And if there's anybody in this room tonight, anybody, maybe they're, they're watching or listening online even. God, if there's anybody here tonight and they know they've never allowed you to drive, they've never said yes to you, Jesus, tonight is their night. God, I pray that they would simply say to you, Jesus, Jesus, I'm going to let you drive. Forgive me of my sins. I am saying yes to you. Help them to have the courage to mark that on the card and let somebody know so that we, somebody can walk them, with them through this. But God, we want to just celebrate that. If there's anybody, when anybody gives their life to you, Jesus, you tell us in your word that all of heaven throws a party. You rejoice. You celebrate. You sing praises because you're so excited that one soul, one person has turned their life over to you. God, maybe there's many here tonight. May they just let you drive. And as we sing these next couple of songs, may you get the glory, may you get the honor as we finish by singing Alleluia and Silent Night. May you be praised because you are worthy. You came to us to walk in our shoes so that we can understand how much you understand us. We pray all of this and ask all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen.